Good morning, basketball fans, and welcome to this week's Small College Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Chris Cottrell, and I have more than 10 years of NCAA Division I and Division II men's basketball coaching experience with relationships in college basketball across the nation and across all levels. Every week, I work to bring you the only podcast with news, scores, highlights, and insight from men's basketball at the NCAA Division II, NCAA Division III, NAIA, USCAA, and NCCAA levels. Combined, these levels of small college basketball account for nearly 1,200 colleges and universities across the country, and we are here to celebrate their basketball programs, players, coaches, and history together. The Small College Basketball Podcast is a production of smallcollegebasketball.com and founder John McCarthy to unite all people with a passion for small college basketball. Welcome to today's episode of the Small College Basketball Podcast. Today's interview is four-time recipient of the NABC Division II Coach of the Year Award, Ben McCollum, head men's basketball coach of Northwest Missouri State University and winners of the 2017, 2019, and 2021 NCAA Division II National Championship. Coach McCollum and I talk about navigating last year's COVID-ridden season on their way to the national title, the expectations and preparations for this year's season, some overtime comebacks, coaching, developing great players, and some of his overall coaching philosophies. But first, let's take a quick look around small college basketball. In NCAA Division II basketball, Northwest Missouri State University, speaking of Coach Ben McCollum, was chosen preseason number one in the MIAA, followed by Washburn and then Central Oklahoma in the preseason coaches poll. Keep an eye out, more D2 coaches polls will be coming out throughout the week. Also, welcoming back to competition this year in NCAA Division II, the California Collegiate Athletic Association, the CCAA, due to the pandemic, did not play any regular season men's basketball last year. So it's great to have, and good news for the sport, to have the oldest league in NCAA Division II back in action. We are also welcoming back the CIAA, the Central Intercollegiate Athletic Association, the SIAC, the Southern Intercollegiate Athletic Conference, the PSAC, the Penn State Athletic Conference, and the Northeast 10. All those leagues are welcomed back to full competition this year after last year's regular seasons being canceled due to the pandemic. Division II, Division III kicked off their basketball seasons on Friday, October 15th, first official practice day of the year. And like Division II, NCAA Division III men's basketball tips off on November 5th, less than 20 days away. This week, D3Hoops.com released their preseason coaches poll. Top five teams in that preseason coaches poll. Number one, Randolph Macon, preseason number one in the country. Followed by Yeshiva, Marietta at number three, Illinois Wesleyan number four, and rounding out the top five, Wisconsin Platteville. We will be talking with Pat Coleman for a Division Three interview and a little bit of a preview in the coming weeks, so please stay tuned. Also, you can follow d3hoops.com for more information and complete preseason polls. In the NAIA, the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics, games are underway. Friday night, congratulations are in order for Bo Sanquist. He scored his 1,000th point 
playing for Midland University in their victory over Oak Hills Christian College. Bo Sandquist finished with 23 points, 9 rebounds, leading all scores. Jake Rusheff had 11 assists for Midland. Midland University won the very first game of the small college basketball season Friday night. They are 2-0 after this weekend. The other game on Friday night in the NAIA was Carroll College dropping 117 points to defeat Yellowstone Christian. Carroll College shot 57% from the field. Shamrock Campbell, definitely going to be an all-name team guy, had 27 points. He had five made threes in the victory. A feel-good story coming out of NAIA basketball. Out west, William Jessup University, NAIA, uh, NAIA school, is set to host NCAA Division I UC Davis. The Aggies are going to visit William Jessup on October 30th. 100% of the proceeds from this competition are going to be donated to the victims of the Dixie Fire, which is still an active wildfire in California. The game has a goal to raise $50,000. 100% of the proceeds are going to go to uh, those affected by the wildfires throughout Northern California this summer. Feel good story. Awesome for UC Davis. And shout out to UC Davis for going on the road to play this game. Awesome job and commendable job by the NAIA for organizing the fundraiser with William Jessup. So uh, one more way that we see athletics, we see, we, we see men's basketball unite people for a, ca- a cause greater than themselves. In the NCCAA, the National Christian College Athletic Association, Games tipped off this weekend. Oak Hills Christian College was on the road, as previously mentioned, against Midland University. And finally, the USCAA. We are waiting for the schedules to be released and games to be tipped off. There's your look around small college basketball. Let's get to today's interview. And now it is my pleasure to welcome to the Small College Basketball Podcast, Northwest Missouri State University head men's basketball coach, Ben McCollum. In the last five seasons, Northwest Missouri State and Coach McCollum are 159-8, and winners of the 2019 and 2021 NCAA Division II National Championships, history in the making, four-time NABC National Division II Coach of the Year, Coach McCollum, welcome to the podcast. It is a thrill to have you on with us today. Thanks a lot for having me. Yeah, absolutely. We are, John and I have talked about this one quite a bit. I really appreciate your time. And, and let's, uh, let's roll right into it because one of the goals that John McCarthy and I had when we teamed up to create this, this small college basketball podcast was to host the coaches of the reigning national champions uh, across each level. And uh, looking back on last season, that, that national championship run, how would you describe the experience of navigating COVID uh, to your third national championship in five years? Yeah, it, it, was, it was one of the more difficult. You know, we've won three, I think, three out of the last four national championships. And that one was, was one of the most difficult simply because of the amount of distractions that you had. And then on top of it, we're taking everybody's best shots as, as, as usual. And so you're, you're navigating all the different COVID restrictions, uh, whether it's you're in quarantine or one player's in quarantine, you're making sure that 
you can take the appropriate steps to to avoid um, getting COVID, which a lot of times entails being away from your families and, and including our players and, and myself included. Um, and then obviously trying to stay in shape through all the different quarantine pieces and, and um, you know, get yourself to the end where you have a chance to, to win a national championship. So, you know, it, it was, it was very eventful, you know, it was one of those that you'll remember. But it, it's one of those things that it really connected us as a team and, uh, we had to have great leadership within our players themselves and, and then obviously had to be very driven um, in spite of a lot of the distractions that were going on. Right. And you mentioned it was the most difficult. Does that in any way make it the most special or the most unique? No, it's, they're all they're all unique in, in themselves. You know, I mean, the first one, you had to overcome quite a bit of things to be able to get there. The second one we had no idea that we were going to be that good. And it just was like, wow, it's just, everything went right. Um, and then the third one was uh, kind of a combination of both. Everything went right for the most part with, with the COVID piece. And then, you know, you really had to drive past uh, the distractions that, that were there. So uh, no, I mean, you'll remember it uh, the, the same essentially, but um, you know, just as far as the connections that you formed is probably a little bit different. Uh, than the first two. And you had a tremendous roster coming back um, in, in 2020, 2021. The championship was canceled in 2019, 2020. You guys were on a roll. Um, you know, I think you were 31 and one, you know, when that season ended. Was there any additional motivation, inspiration? What was the the mindset of the team coming into this past season after going through a cancellation like that? Yeah, I think for me, I say try to stay very present and very process focused and it, it didn't give me a ton of a ton of motivation into that next season. Uh, I think probably for our players, once the postseason hit, I think they were at a different level, meaning I, I think they were really waiting for that national tournament to essentially make up for the previous year and so I'd be lying if I said it didn't motivate them some because I did see a different team once that tournament came. But for me, it it didn't really change whether or not I was going to be ready for for a game or, or ready for a season. And I will say watching your team throughout the year, there was a different level that you played at, you know, in the first couple of rounds. And then when once you got to uh, the Elite Eight, your level of play coach collectively – you could see it just improve. I mean, there were levels that your team played at and continued to climb to throughout the season. And that's the mark of an, an incredible program, incredible coaching. So it was, it was evident, you know, to, to be able to watch that. And one of the games that sticks out to me and John McCarthy and I have talked about this game quite a bit. It was a, you know, a quote unquote instant classic, your sweet 16 game against Northern state. I mean, it ended up being a true road game because of, uh, COVID protocols last year, the way they hosted uh, the national tournament, ended up being a true road game for you playing at Northern State. You were down 11 with three minutes to go. Um, came back, you win in overtime. How do you describe that game? Did it set up any future you know, momentum going into the Elite Eight? How would you describe that comeback? Yeah, I think, uh, I think the first part of that is those last three minutes or two and a half or whatever it may be that we were down 11, that, that to me describes what 
I want our program to be about. And so everybody talks about our offense and our defense and X's and O's and, and whatnot. What we try to really hang our hat on is, is just being tougher than most. And, and from a mental standpoint where we were down those amount of points and our kids came in and, and it was, it was really player led being able to come back and still believe that they could come back on that good of a team. You know, I think, Going into that game, we probably did the athleticism of Parker Fox and the, the impact that he made on a game. And and so, you know, you watch him in, in a couple other games, and I, I'm not sure that he gave his best effort. Uh, and then it came to our game, and all of a sudden it was a different level for him and, and even their whole team for that matter. So um, probably underestimated some of that simply because we went off of scouts and we didn't realize that they could take it to another level. And then once we calmed down, we were able to make a little run at them. And then the last, you know, two, three minutes, we were able to make some big plays, honestly, some big offensive rebounds, some big 50-50 balls, a few transition defense things, you know, just, just things that are little things that allow you to win the game. And then to be able to win it, that obviously helped us going into um, the Elite Eight and just kind of calmed our nerves and, and we were able to play comfortably and hungry uh, and trying to, to be able to win a, a national ta- championship. And you, and you mentioned, you know, tougher than most. As I hear you talk about what won that game for you, you know, you mentioned offensive rebounding, transition defense, and 50-50 balls. Nowhere in there for all the coaches, you know, nowhere in there was an offensive or defensive strategy. Those are plays that impact games. And, and I think that that's a true um, – a true statement for, for your program, what you've been able to do. So that was an incredible game. And in, in that game, true freshman Byron Alexander had a career high 21 points. You've, you've coached some terrific players, extremely talented players, future pros, and you had a great team, you know, led by, by older players last year. Talk about Byron's uh, development throughout the course of the season and then his performance in, in such a big game. Yeah, I think Byron's, a lot like the rest of our kids, they, the sooner they understand who they are as players and people and how they fit within our team, the sooner they become really successful. And that's just life. That's, that's everyone in life. You know, once you, once you understand yourself and, and understand what you're great at, and then you focus on those things, a lot of times good things happen for you. And that's the same for, for Byron in particular in that game where he was shooting layups. I mean, it was we couldn't score until Byron came in the game. And a lot of that was the shot blocking of Parker Fox. They would put him on on Byron and they'd bring help. And and uh, then he would cut and he was able to finish on him because he's, he's, a, he's a really elite athlete as well. And so um, – and then he got some big offensive rebounds. And then defensively, um, he was fantastic. So – you know, he, he's just – he's a lot like a lot of our players where they just – eventually they understand that how much can I give to the team and, and what are my greatest strengths and let's just play to those throughout the whole game and whole year. Yeah, I love I love hearing you talk right now. There's such a humility to what you've been able to do uh, at your at, – at your school, you know, with so many great players and to be able to continue to bring true freshmen in like that and have them adapt and evolve. I mean, that it just speaks volumes to, to your approach. And speaking of your approach, I mean, we're going to get a really big treat on November 6th. 
you know, for, for everyone that's following small college basketball. Now the hall of fame classic in, and is going to take place that opening weekend of November. And the first game of the division two college basketball season is going to be Northern state versus Northwest Missouri state. Like we're going to get a rematch of this incredible overtime game from the sweet 16. What's your, what's your approach been looking forward to that game, different faces, different names, What's your approach, Ben, going into that rematch? Have you talked about it at all with the team? Uh, no, not at yeah. all. <laughs> you know, I, I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty. what am I going to do today? I mean, uh, part of mine is trying to figure out what, what I'm going to eat for lunch. So I, I, <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty process-focused. And, um, you know, I, I guess big games are, are great, but a lot of them all come back to the basic fundamentals of what you need to do. I, I do think it'll be a, a, a fun game and, and just to – revisit some of that the difference is a lot of their players are gone and so yes. they have a completely new team which I don't know if that helps or hurts you know I, I'm not sure because because we have to scout based off of um, you know last year's personnel and so you, you have to adjust your scout and try to figure it out and mix and match which will probably make the game for us considerably more difficult <clears throat> than it will be for them and you know the other thing is the Seattle Pacific is really good and they do have everybody back. And so yes. we have to, we have, we're going to have a problem with them too. So, um, you know, it's, it's just a tough schedule and it's similar to what we always do. We always schedule really, really difficult. And, uh, you know, I think that helps us and pays dividends late in the season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Especially going through your league. I mean, your league was a bear last year. I mean, it was such a great league. Will you mention just a little bit of your league for the listeners? I mean, in the MIAA, you know, one of the one of the best leagues in college basketball at Division Two. Oh yeah, I, I think personally it's it's the best, just top to bottom. It's simply, you know, two reasons: the resources in our league are, are as good as any any place, and and like people care about our conference. Meaning, at every place you go, it's it has a true campus feel to it. And at Division Two, that doesn't happen a lot of places where, you know, you may get. 50 people at your at your basketball games everywhere we go in the league there's fans there's support there's people that that really care uh, I think the second thing is is there's really good coaching in our league you know I think oh absolutely when I, when I watch a lot of division one games and I'm not saying it's better or worse necessarily but um, there's a lot of coaches in our league that can make some serious adjustments uh, that that you don't see at a lot of levels and a part of that is we don't get to necessarily pick our players every year, meaning uh, division ones go through, they recruit the division one offers. Generally we miss on that kid. And so sometimes you get just a random roster where it might be all guards one year, or it might be all bigs one year, or it might be all shooters one year. And so you have to adapt to your personnel and you have to adapt your coaching style to what you have. Everybody in our league had to do that. And, and has to do that every single year. And that makes them better as coaches and, and uh, obviously makes them very difficult to compete against. Yeah, your league is, is so much fun to watch. I mean, like you said, top to bottom, there's no, there's no off nights. And as you talk about this year's team, it, it is going to look a little bit different. I mean, you do have, <clears throat> excuse me, you do have Trevor Hudgens back, the reigning NABC National Division II Player of the Year. You return Dago Bernard, uh, West Dreamer, and Byron Alexander, who we've talked about. They're all back, and they played major roles last season. But you did lose 
Last year's Elite Eight Most Outstanding Player and your standout forward, Ryan Hawkins. He transferred to Creighton, playing in the Big East. He's taking advantage of the NCAA's additional year of eligibility that was granted as a result of COVID. And I want to give you a platform now to talk about some of your players. And, and what can you tell the listeners about your personnel and this year's team? And you got to be excited with, with these guys back. Oh, absolutely. You know, we've got four out of our five starters back. And, you know, these kids are, are probably as unselfish as they get because we've got, you know, our seven, eight, and nine kids could play at a lot of places. But, you know, our top four or five, which would be um, Diego Bernard, Trevor Hudgens, uh, West Dreamer, Luke Waters, all four of them started this season. Byron started some. Byron Alexander will be back. Um, Daniel Abreu probably didn't get as many minutes as we would have expected simply because he had an injury late in the season that, that you know, hampered him. Um, and then Isaiah Jackson played considerable minutes. And then we have quite a few others that, that could see some time, whether it's, you know, Mitch Mascari, who's been in our program for a few years, or um, a couple of our freshmen that have, have been really good. So, you know, top to bottom, I think we have a, a pretty good roster. But, you know, what I always say is depth to me, where you're playing 10, 11, 12 guys, we've done that before where we've had 10 guys that really deserve to play. Um, but a lot of times the more depth you have, the less separation you have. And so, you know, we try to get to where it's, it's a very competitive environment. And, you know, if, if you're good enough, you play. And if, if you don't quite get there, then, then you don't play. And it becomes very difficult. Kids have to sacrifice. Kids have to fight for their spot. Um, but we've got kids that, that want to do that. And, and from top to bottom, we've got a really good roster, I feel like. Absolutely. Absolutely. Looking at your roster, a lot of guys back and, and you got to feel very optimistic going into the year. And as you're preparing for this year, we talked a little bit before the interview, you just finished up your preseason. What kind of um, contingencies have you made? Do you anticipate COVID impacting division two basketball this year? What are some of the thoughts maybe you've kicked around uh, with your administration or among your coaching staff? What, what are you trying to prepare for going forward? Yeah, I think for us, it's probably trying to avoid quarantines you know i think right. that's the big thing obviously you don't want people to get it but trying to avoid quarantines and and trying to navigate the the vaccination piece you know whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated or whatnot and um you know it's it's a it becomes fairly uh politicized you know i, I think just just you know within the within teams within universities within organizations whether it's um, you know, you believe one way or the other. And so um, trying to navigate that piece and, and then make sure that everybody stays safe is, is probably the biggest thing for us. Right. And, and, you know, staying safe, I think playing games consistently on a regular schedule, I think that'll make a big difference across division two this year and across all levels. If we can play consistent games, I think that is, that helps the quality of basketball. Would you agree? Yeah, it helps the quality of basketball. And, you know, there, there's another piece to this that is very difficult to, to understand. And, and I can just I can just speak from like an athlete's perspective. I can't speak for um, general students. But, you know, I, I think there's some some mental health issues that go with making sure that life is as normal as we can possibly make it. Obviously, there's some things that you have to adjust to. Um, but for us, you know, the, the more we play, the less opportunity we 
sometimes have to get injured, to be quite honest, because I, I think when you take extended breaks, that's when those injuries really happen. And then just from a mental perspective, trying to make life as as normal as you can possibly make it, obviously understanding the the risks and rewards of that um, is something that I feel like has really helped our kids and really helped their their mental well-being and, and keeps them moving forward. I would have to agree. I mean, in my experience teaching eighth grade right now, we are, you know, we are five and a half weeks into our school year here in New York. And, you know, the first week back, all the kids were excited to be back in school. You know, we're back to 100% capacity. It, it, it felt kind of normal, even though we're in masks. But even five weeks in, coach, kids are, like, you know, 12-year-old kids are like 13-year-old kids. Like, like, Mr. Cottrell, this is awesome. I'm so happy we're back. You know, and I think just that normalcy helps everyone, whether it looks a little different with a mask or whatever the case might be. I think just as much normalcy as possible. You're right. Mental health does play into this. And, and selfishly, I do want to ask you, I'm, I'm trying to wrap you up. I want to be respectful of your time. Selfish. I want to ask you about your philosophy because first couple of years in Northwest Missouri, you know, I think a struggle would be fair to say weren't great. Your record wasn't great, but after so much success now recently, you know, three out of the last four national championships, so many accolades coming in for, of course, you and for your players. I'm curious, you mentioned the process throughout the podcast so far. You know, what's your approach as you begin each each season? Like in, when you're in this time of year, about a week out from your first full practice, what's your approach? What's your mindset? You know, and how do you maintain that year in and year out with all the success? Yeah, again, I think it is the process piece to it. Um, you know, I'm we're just over the top process focused. We're really focused on on making kids, and I've said this in a few, making kids successful once they leave Northwest Missouri State. Well, if you solely focus on that, a lot of times success won't impact you. Uh, negatively or positively quite like it does everyone else. I think in college basketball and at any level of basketball, a lot of times we as coaches get really focused on winning and losing. And yeah, that's important. That's what keeps your job. But I think sometimes if you focus on making kids better people, better human beings, and then obviously using basketball to do that, I think that places a focus on process and you don't get impacted so much by the violent swings of winning and, and losing. And, and so, um, you know, daily I'm going down and making sure that our kids are going hard, not necessarily so that we win or lose, but because they have to understand how to chase a goal. They have to understand to be at their best and be dependable every single day, because once they leave Northwest Missouri state or whatever institution they're at, they have to be productive members of society, whether it be a, a father, um, a husband, uh, an employee, uh, or run their own business, whatever it may be, they have to have those skills. If I'm focused on winning and losing, sometimes I can't teach those skills because you may have a, a high level team, an extremely talented team coming back. And so naturally you let your guard down and you don't work as hard because you know you're going to win regardless of how good you practice. I think that's where people cannot have continued success and, and can't maintain a culture as they, they focus too much on the wins and losses of things. And 
Um, as long as we keep focusing on that, I think, I think we can continue to have some decent success. And this is, this is great stuff. I want to give you a platform to talk a little bit more, if you would. What are you doing for your players off the court? I think we see, you know, this is, this is part of the reason for the podcast, you know, small college basketball, you know, it's not in the limelight. And we're not seeing the million-dollar contracts, the Nike, the Under Armour, the TV games. What are you doing for your players off the court to help prepare them for the next step beyond Northwest Missouri State? I think this is so important for people to understand uh, at, at any level of basketball, there are so many tremendous coaches and opportunities. What are you doing at Northwest Missouri State, Coach? Yeah, I think I think what I've found is by far and away the most important thing that you can do for your kids is is be an example, and you know, be an example of integrity, be an example of honesty, be an example of caring for your players, be an example of positive energy. Um, being an example of, of serving others. Be as good of an example as you can possibly be and be genuine with that example. So what I mean by that is a lot of programs you'll see will put out stuff on social media, which is great because it does highlight the, the greatness of certain programs, but sometimes there isn't a genuineness to that, meaning it's what we call uh, wall culture. You know, it's like on your wall, but do you actually practice that culture constantly? And and that's being an example, meaning if, if I'm just putting it on a wall, hey, we need to serve others. Hey, we need to be a great person. Hey, we need to be this, that, or the other things. And then I turn around and act completely different than that. There's no way that those student athletes can learn from, from my example. Um, Obviously, we try to put them in positions to, to have leadership responsibility. We do talk about um, how to act with integrity, how to be a good person, how to serve, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but most importantly, be an example. And then if, if you're an example as a coach, then hopefully your upperclassmen eventually become the example, which is what we have now, where we have you know Trevor Hudgens, who's our, our lone kid that'll will be gone after this season. You know, he's an example for everybody. Diego's up there. You know, those guys are examples of how to act within our program. Um, and, and we think that that's the best way to make a difference on kids' lives. That's awesome. That is such great stuff. And, uh, and as we approach the end of this, I want to, again, thank you for your time. I know it's a busy time of year, but for being on the Small College Basketball Podcast, John and I both really appreciate it. And I want to get you out of here on one kind of wrap-up question, Coach. Um, with all of your success at Northwest Missouri State, you've managed to make the big time where you're at. And with that kind of, you know, cliche in mind, what does small college basketball mean to you? Well, for me, that's, that's how I was that's how I was essentially raised, I guess, um, if that's the, the proper team term to use. I played small college basketball. And so um, for me, it was the big time. I mean, it feels big time at Northwest Missouri State where the community supports it and, and you're nationally recognized at this point. And so it, it is big time. But, you know, I had a coach at uh, Emporia State, uh, David Moe, who was, he was in the NBA. His dad was in the NBA and he was an assistant for his dad for a little bit. And then he went to Colorado as an assistant that he was at. Um, Poria State is the head coach and when he was 
at Emporia State, I was very driven to be some type of, you know, high level division one coach, which, you know, you still are, you still, there's still those dreams that, that you have, but um, he always talked about quality of life and, and how much different life is at the small college basketball level where you can have a life, you, you can have a family, you, you can, you can enjoy your summers, you can enjoy going fishing, you can enjoy going to your kids' events, your players can enjoy those things. And, and I think there's something to be said about quality of life and, and honestly at all levels, even Division One, where I think sometimes they probably also forget um, that, that there's more to life than, than just walking in a gym and, and playing basketball. And so um, that's, that's what I love about Division Two is, is the quality of life and the, the genuine relationships you can have. It's, it's not, it's not businessy, you know, it's, it's very um, uh, trans transformational as they say, not transactional. So um, that's why I love small college basketball. Well, coach McCollum, that is awesome. Uh, once again, thank you so much for your time. Best of luck this upcoming season. John McCarthy and I are so thankful that you joined us today on the small college basketball podcast. And uh, we will look forward to watching Northwest Missouri state go forward this year. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Chris. Thank you for listening to this week's Small College Basketball Podcast and my interview with Coach Ben McCollum. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe for weekly episodes and interviews devoted to the incredible players, teams, coaches, and history of small college basketball. Please leave a review if you enjoyed listening to this episode and use the link attached to share the Small College Basketball Podcast. The Small College Basketball Podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast episodes. You can follow smallcollegebasketball.com on Twitter and Facebook. Please visit our website at www.smallcollegebasketball.com.